0: You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love Main Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, jill hoy and dave allen for complete show details please visit our website at artcollectormaine.com love Maine radio is also brought to you by aristel a lingerie boutique on exchange street in portland's old port where everybody is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out shop with us in person or online at aristel.com beth
1: weisberger and wade Cavanaugh are the owners of the gem theater in bethel which offers accessible and diverse arts programming thanks for coming in today Thanks Thank for you. having us. I really like your uh, story because I believe that what you are doing with the Gem Theater is really filling a gap that existed for a little while before you started doing this. What m- caused you to make this decision to revive this important part of Bethel?
2: Well, the uh, the movie theater was uh, closed when the, the entire industry transitioned to digital projection. and so... When we first moved there, the movie theater was functioning, and then just kind of went away um, one week. And you know, it's like movie posters or movie times were posted, and then all of a sudden, without anybody knowing, the the door shuttered. And uh, we we also had you know a, a baby at the same time, so we didn't really notice that you know that the movies weren't there anymore. Um, but you could tell that it was it was definitely a hole in the community that people missed, you know, having the space um, there we, and we started to look around, um, Bethel for commercial real estate for best business. She was looking to expand and, um, came across that space. And and both of us, uh, love going to the movies. We love independent film. We lived in Brooklyn for a decade prior. And so we were used to having access to all of that, um, input and, uh, and, and the arts and, when to boil down to it you know I'm a visual artist and and when you think about what it takes to program arts in a rural community the 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 access you get through film is is just so much um greater and and wider and deeper than, and and more affordable than you know trying to program music or visual art or theater um, you can get the best film in the world you know fingers crossed for two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> so it's about you know forty two people that you need to to get. Excited in your community to come out and see an independent film, which which most weeks is is doable.
1: I want to go back to something you said. We just had a baby, so you started a theater backup at the same time you were starting this new life.
2: Yeah, we uh, we'd had a, we had we had um, we have a three and a half year old, and so that that's about when the theater closed, and then um, we actually. We opened the theater, it was Friday.
3: We opened the theater on February 12th and our daughter was born February 13th, so it's yeah. a little crazy. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> first couple
2: months of business were, well, it's still crazy, it's still <laughs> crazy,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, and you already have a business, Beth. You are Yeah, the, and I, I still do, yes. Right, <laughs> so you, you already had stuff going on and had a baby. So what what caused you to think oh this is a good idea let's let's open up a theater right now? Well, I think, you know, I
3: my business is online and it so it is a little bit more flexible in terms of stress. It's, it's nothing like running a brick and mortar business as we've learned. The theater is definitely more work than we thought it would be. I'll say that we thought oh we'll be open four days a week and that's manageable and it's still a seven day a week job. I don't know what we were thinking, but. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think, I mean, originally we we really did just look at the building as a vacant building, and then we just got more and more excited about having, I mean, Bethel's a great place to live if you love the outdoors. It doesn't have a huge amount of arts and culture, and, you know, it is an hour and a half from Portland, so I think the more we thought about the theater and living Bethel full-time, the more we kind of got excited about what the opportunities that that building presented. I'm still looking for a space for my business, so <laughs> that, that's still an issue, but um, we've been busy, obviously. So I think, you know, it's been a big learning curve, too. I think that a lot of, we've done a lot of things that we wanted to do with the theater, and some of the stuff has been more challenging than we thought, you know. Movie programming, particularly, has been a huge challenge because there's so many more r- rules than we realized there would be, in it's been harder to get some of the films we've wanted so it's been it's kind of been an interesting uh, <laughs> I don't
1: know. So there are there are rules around what types of movies so, you can so, bring into a theater?
3: I mean so you know one of the things about opening the theater you know we love independent film but Bethel we're also trying to serve the community which is families which is people that love action movies you know which isn't necessarily us um, and those big blockbuster movies have a rule called a clean run, which means you can only show that theater, that movie on that theater screen. You can't. So, for example, I can't show like a kids movie for the matinee and an adult independent film at night because the distributors just say no; it's not allowed. So, um, originally we opened with two screens, and we thought that we'd be able to show four different movies with two theater screens, and we could show two movies with two theater screens. Um, so, actually, this year we we. Fundraise to get a third theater s- screen going to be able to offer more diverse programming. So, I mean, things like that that we just had no clue because we were not involved in the movie industry before this. And, you know, probably the basic stuff people would have known if they had more experience than we did, but <laughs> it's
1: like, we didn't. So, how did you end up in Bethel?
2: Uh, I, I think that's my fault. I, I loved Nordic ski. And um I love the mountains around that area and and I uh, we' were basically I had had a teaching job and for one year and was thinking about moving my studio back to New York and then um, decided that you know for about the same money you could buy a farm a farmhouse in western Maine so I bought this old dilapidated farmhouse in the outskirts of Bethel and then Beth was was teaching full time and in, in uh, the public schools in New York, and so we were able to go back and forth a little bit, and um, and then we ended up, uh, you know, just just being there more more often than not. So it wasn't it wasn't such an intentional choice where we decided, you know, we're leaving New York, we're picking a place that's that's gonna fill all these you know parts of our our life, and um, but it is a. It's a beautiful place to live and um yeah we're kind of the quality of life is good and we're just trying to, to to round out that uh quality of life with the theater
1: are you both originally from new york
3: no we're both grew up winthrop it.
1: Oh. yeah so you are coming back yeah
2: yeah 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 we both uh yeah
1: how did you meet each other?
3: Mm. We know each other from high school. We were friendly, sort of. Our,
2: our, brother, <laughs> our, our brothers <laughs> were in the uh, the same graduating class, and so we, uh, we reconnected, reconnected after, college. after college at their high school graduation. Yeah, long story short.
1: And then you somehow made your way to New York and lived in Brooklyn for 10 years, you said? I did a teaching program
3: in New York. Um, after college, and so I was living there, and Wade basically followed me down. Yeah, I was. Guess. I was teaching. I don't think you would have ended up in New York any other. No. no, I, <laughs> I kind
2: of. I was living in Bethel at the time. I was teaching at at, uh, at Gould there. It was my first job mm-hmm. out of college, and then I applied to a bunch of graduate school programs for art, and then uh, had we kind of dated for a year, I you know, um, had, like long distance, and then I just decided to not go to school and to try to make a go of it just renting a studio space and finding work in in Brooklyn and I think ultimately that was a really good decision.
1: What was it about being in Brooklyn that caused you to realize that maybe coming back to Maine was a good idea?
3: Mm -hmm. I mean I think I think when we bought our house in Maine, it was the intention wasn't to be our permanent place to live. And so I think it was sort of a gradual comeback. Like, we both love Maine. And so Bethel was kind of like the closest you could get to Brooklyn and still be in Maine and still be in the mountains. (laughs) And so, like, you know, it's a great drive if you go up Vermont and over Route 2 to Bethel. So we, we did that for five or six years, kind of back and forth. I had the summers off as a teacher. And um, we, or I think partially we, you know, there's kind of that joke that you're not from Maine unless you're born here. And so I was pregnant and we were like, well, we have to, she has to be born in Maine. We didn't know she was a she at the time, but like, (laughs) you know, if, if she's so, I think we kind of like ended up in Maine, sort of that happened. So I wasn't teaching and it was like kind of the perfect time to move.
2: Yeah, it also happened that there's there this company, I'm not sure if they're even still around, called Fab, and Beth got a, a huge wholesale order for her business. And so I was kind of I was working freelance in New York, and then um, Beth was working full-time as a teacher, And but her business was growing, so I kind of came Basically, in. Basically,
3: Wade started doing my business for me because yeah. I couldn't do it.
2: So I was running kind of the day-to-day <laughs> of her business, and then all of a sudden she got this huge wholesale order, and it was full-time you know like my for both of us and we ended up hiring people in my art studio you know in the the second floor of this barn um ended up becoming the spice studio and it's still the spice studio <laughs> and um so we kind of have just uh it's a, it always has become that thing I, we both love brooklyn you know every time we go there we're like we that's We'd, all of our our friends are there. Um, they all have kids, you know, that are our same, you know, the, the same age as our kids, which is certainly not the case in Bethel. And um, we just uh, it would kept becoming, I think, harder to move back. You know, once the more we got settled and the the more things were growing, you know.
1: Beth, tell me about your business.
3: I make hexagon. They're I make these magnetic spice jars. They're shaped like a hexagon so they stick to your fridge and they make a honeycomb pattern and save space in your kitchen. They're great for like tiny apartments or they're eco-friendly cuz they're reusable.
1: What gave you the idea for that? Um, I saw some
3: similar like round jars like a DIY project at a friend's house. And I was, I mean, it was literally, I just, like, wanted to make a set for myself. Like, I was like, oh, those are really cool. And then I went online to look for jars, and I found these little honeycomb. They're for, like, for honey. Like, you can imagine, like, a honey sample jar. That's what they originally were. So I got those and made, like, a little DIY set for myself, and people liked it. And this is at the time when Etsy was, like, really starting to become a little more mainstream, people had heard of it. And so I, I also just, I think I just wanted a little side project. It was not, in, like I was not trying to start a business. I'll be very clear about that. But I was trying to start like a hobby business. I was kind
2: of Yeah, I, I remember it as a proclamation. What Actually. do you mean? I, we were living in a tiny apartment in Bed Stuy, and, and Beth like walked home from school one day, and for some reason I was there. She walked into the door and said, "I want to start a business."
3: No, that's
2: not. True. That's the way I remember it. <laughs> no. I think it was like no. very decided, but no, I think she had I a originally... hobby business. Like, and this is the way no. I remember it: that she wanted. This is like Etsy is just taking off, but everything is just like hats, like knitted hats, and she's like, "Oh, you know, I love to knit, but there's no way I can knit fast enough to ever." Make a yeah, bit. I like
3: to knit. I like to sew. I like to do all these things that were being sold there. But I was like, I could, you could. I still don't know how people knit things and sell them online because it takes so long. Like, it, you know, you're getting paid like a dollar an hour probably for the, your work. Um, and no, I did. I tried to sell a couple little sewed things. You don't remember that, but yeah, I, I had like that. a different shop before I had this one. Um, and it i don't know it was just one of those things where like i put the first listing up and somebody bought it that day and i was like that's really weird (laughs) like i still remember that person's name was andrea (laughs) um but the 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 original spice racks that i was selling on etsy were definitely like a diy thing someone else could have also done themselves at home now we've we've definitely improved the product and get our jars custom made for us and um it's a better product now than it was then it's a but I guess it really was just something I wanted to make for myself. And then it didn't exist, so other people wanted it, too. It's worked out, you know, it's worked out well for us. The, the, the theater is, you know, is is sustaining itself, but it's not paying us anything right now. And So I think without, without my business, we definitely wouldn't be sitting here happy <laughs> like it would a, be it would be much Tuesday. yeah it'd be yeah. much more stressful if we didn't have um this other source of income
1: do you miss being a teacher i definitely miss
3: working in school i miss working with students and specifically i work miss like the relationships i have with other co-workers because that's not you know it's very different i had my um school administration degree too. So I did a lot of coaching, which I really liked probably even more so than the day to day. It's teaching is really hard work. I mean, I don't miss that. Like it's, it never, it never ends in term. I mean, owning your own business, the work never ends, but it's different. Like teaching is very emotionally draining and there's always more things you need to grade. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, in New York I'd have, I could have upwards of, you know, 120 kids at a time. I mean, that's a lot of kids that you're, just trying to care about and know what's going on with them, and it's, it's pretty much impossible. I feel like it's an impossible job, um, and so I, you know, I think that personally, my stress level is lower now. And um, but I do, I do miss the relationships because I don't have those now, especially on an online business. I barely know my customers.
1: And that's strange. And Wade, you also spent some time. In education,
2: oh, I, I mean, I just taught because I didn't know <laughs> what else to do. You know, it's like, unfortunately, it, in a private school, they don't really check if you have any credentials or are qualified. So, I was, I really—that's uh, that was a joke. I'm sorry. What was the joke? <laughs> no. I, I when I was in college, I I was a cross country competitive cross country skier and had a um, a coach that kind of lit a fire under me. My at the end of my time there and so going to, to teach afterwards was a chance to work with another coach that was that had a similar framework and um, this guy named Dick Taylor who's a U.S. ski team coach who lives in Bethel and uh, he had there are some other people about my age that were that were trying to make a go to make the national team and I just wanted to be kind of a to latch on to that a little bit and see, see how far I could go in the sport and so 3 years I went about as far as I could go and there was it was it was time to refocus on um, uh, you know making art.
3: You've also taught sculpture at Bowdoin. Oh, that's true. I, I did I did <laughs> teach.
2: I ta- I taught for a year in college, but again, I wasn't qualified to teach there. I, I just
3: That's not true. I think being an art in general art professors are qualified because they're artists right there's yeah. no there's no I don't education have, but like i don't have
2: like an education degree i didn't have an advanced art degree i just like had an exhibition record and was able to i must have been the only person that applied for the job. no <laughs> i don't
1: know <laughs> well i doubt that because yeah. i think that both of these schools you've just talked about have some pretty good standards but tell me about your visual art um career now
2: it's uh you know I, my art practice is, is entirely collaborative. Um, it, this, this thing happened where, when I went down to visit Beth in 2004, I think, and I found this listing for a studio space in, in South Park Slope on Craigslist, and it, it seemed like a great deal, and so I contacted the landlord. I was like, I'm in you know, I really want to do this. And uh, so I went down one weekend, I visited Beth, we walked down to the, check out the building. And on the way into the building, this guy is coming out and he just looks at me and he goes, good luck, man. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what, you know, what just happened to him, but I, but um, that was my friend, Steven. That Steven, it's Steven uh, Wynn and I have collaborated now for I think a dozen years. And it turned out that we had been put in, these, in, in the bottom back corner of this basement of a loft building. And all of this, the garbage from the loft building over the years had just like trickled down and been pushed into that back corner. And he had also been promised that his studio space would have been built out by now. And it ended up taking months and months for um, that process to actually happen. But in the process, Stephen and I helped each other build our studio spaces we got to talk about our own work what we valued about you know each other's work which and, was very uh, different He's so a different painter he was like Stephen had what you know gone to school in british columbia was like a highly like conceptual like abstract painter um and i was like had you know kind of gone to school for art but was much more interested in like physical sculpture and was making these sculptures based off my own movement and and uh The fact that we found common ground was really um was really lucky um so it was actually the first project we did together was back in portland there's a woman named anna hepler who used to maintain a space called the map room which was the well you know where portland picnic is that -hmm. building what's that building called i don't know
3: it's it's
2: it's not picnic won't be there anymore but there's like when you walk in off the street there's that little square Cube of her room and then there's the catwalk over to the main room and so Anna's studio used to be right there and she asked the landlord if she could curate art projects and so she curated this um, series of three collaborations one year and so Steve and I did our first collaborative project there and then we just had this incredible experience of, of you know what it, the energy of collaboration and the give and take and and ultimately the product that came out of that so we've uh we've kept that going, you know. And Stephen, strangely, and we've both had um, kids about the same time, and so the last three years has been a little bit up and down, but we, you know, this this previous spring we were in the Czech Republic for a couple of weeks, and then we just finished a, a project with a choreographer named um, Ivy Baldwin, which was at the the performance at the Abrams Art Center in the Lower East Side. Um, and yeah we we have have tried to be adaptable you know especially now that there's 400 miles separating us when we used to when you know our relationship was kind of founded on working together every night it's been it's been interesting but it's been good
1: It seems like adaptability has been an important theme for both of you as individuals as a couple as parents as new business owners
2: yeah. Yeah, I never really thought about it (laughs) that way, but I feel like everyone's like that, you know, like especially in Maine, you know, everyone, everyone you talk to has three different jobs and they do a whole bunch of different things and that's the mix they have. And I think we just like, I'm not sure. I think we'd probably be better off if we just focused on doing one thing. But I think also I just, I know me in particular, I won't speak for Beth, but we just have different parts of our brain where we like to, you know, it's really fun to, talk about accounting for like 30 minutes, but then I really want to go for a run and then I want to think about art and and I don't know. It's it's good to have some different things going on.
1: What do you think Beth about adaptability or about
3: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think I think partially we've kind of just been lucky and been in the right places at the right time and you know, I think that was true with with my business particularly and you know, I was able to grow it without... It, it, it's been such a different experience with the theater because we needed to get a commercial mortgage and we have to do, like, real bookkeeping. And, like, you know, like, it's a real business as opposed to... Not that mine's not, but because it started so gradually and we basically were able to self-fund the growth of it. it You know, I think that allowed us to kind of have more flexibility in terms of making decisions and...
2: um yeah, I mean the theater you have like we had startup costs and we you know we have loans and we have sales goals that you have to meet every month whereas like Beth's business grew so organically that the risk was really spread thin and we had health insurance, you know, which is which is huge. <laughs> um, for the first like 6 years of your business really.
3: Yeah. Because I'm still working as a teacher. I don't know. I mean, I you know, you asked about teaching, and I think, you know, sometimes it's like a beautiful day in July, and I'm like, why am I working all day inside? Like, when I was a teacher, I had the entire summer off. <laughs> that, that was pretty awesome, you know, but I, I wouldn't actually, you know, trade it for right now. I mean, I think we work more now than we would like to, but, you know, we are also setting our own schedule, and you know making a difference in in the community i think that you know sometimes i joke with Wade. like sometimes i wish that we didn't own the theater because it's so much work but i want someone to own it and i also want i want it to be done the way we're doing it and so you know that makes me proud we had we've had some great art events but we're also filling this gap of just like commercial family entertainment which i think is is, is kind of important we did a fun like touch a truck event at the theater you know now that I have a three-year-old a fire truck is very exciting you know things like that that I just don't think I ever would have imagined I would be doing with my life but there you know it's fun to to kind of be involved in that
2: We had this but, great moment at the theater which for me kind of catalog or, or just encapsulates <laughs> everything where we had a we had a dance group from Brooklyn that was there for the week and they decided you know we built a stage in our biggest theater I'm like great they're gonna do a performance on the stage Everyone, it's gonna be you know like very theater like, and of course like I would have done the same thing. They get into the theater and they're like, great, we're gonna put the audience on the stage and then we're gonna perform in the seats and then the performance is gonna migrate into the lobby, and like you know keep in mind that we have scheduled movies happening, and so <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know we've got like from six thirty to seven o five for the performance to happen, and. And so everything is you know and i'm just thinking about people coming in so we have someone at the door but i what i didn't think about when people are going to be coming out and so we have got this like performance of this like really really abstract like experimental dance happening in the lobby and all of a sudden spider-man lets out (laughs) and there's just this like collision of of culture in the lobby and people are just like what is happening here and then finally i'm like go ahead go ahead and then one of the dancers goes She's standing over in the corner, and then her movement takes her in front of the exit door. And so she's like, her body, she's not facing them, is like blocking the exit door. And then there's just this like group of people like stuck in the middle, like completely isolated and not really sure what's going on. But it was beautiful too, you know. Like, the, and, and keep in mind, like the theater looks like you know at the the backside of Sunny River, and it's six thirty or no, it's like seven fifteen at this point. So we've got this raking light, like, coming in through all the, you know, into the lobby, and it's just, it was, like, this surreal moment. So, I don't know, that those types of things make it kind of fun to have it be more than just a movie theater, and hopefully those people come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hopefully they enjoyed the little extra that came along with yeah, yeah, seeing definitely. Spider-Man that night.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And we had other people that showed up, like, an hour early for the movie, and I was just like, great, you can go, you know, go check out this dance performance. Like, they were definitely got more than what they were in for, I think.
1: Well, given how busy you are with um, your multiple different layers of life experiences that are concurrently running, I really appreciate your coming in and having this conversation with me today. Oh yeah, of course.
2: Thanks for having us. I've been
1: speaking with Beth Weisberger and Wade Cavanaugh, who are the owners of the Gem Theater in Bethel, which offers accessible and diverse arts programming. Make sure to, next time I'm in town, stop by and see you guys. Great.
0: Sounds great. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Bellisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at LoveMainRadio.com.